It's great to see you today. If you missed the introduction, my name is Pastor Mark Ryan. I'm the senior minister here. It's great to have you all here. And uh, BCC folks, we want to just make everybody feel welcome, don't we? Amen? Oh, well, that was three of you, so that's great. (laughs) You know, welcome today to uh, an incredible opportunity and a journey. An opportunity to reach the nation to reap a harvest, and your friends and my friends to come to a real sense of what life is about. Wouldn't that be exciting? You know, some of you bring people to church all the time, some of you witnessing all the time, but we're part of a national movement just right now that will help us to be able to see what could happen in our nation. you to know tonight that God loves you. I want you to know tonight, you can have a new beginning tonight. All of us have a vacuum, an emptiness that only God can fill himself. We've got more opportunity today than we've ever had to make the impact of Christ felt in every phase of life. Great, you know. We are part of something national here. Glasgow, Newcastle, Sheffield, Milton Keynes, Liverpool, Cardiff, Birmingham. Okay, on the 17th of June. And uh, we're going down to London there in October. And despite whatever you've heard on the media, things are still cooking and moving. So uh, things are still making it so it will be a national tour for us. And so we're joining in something in the nation uh, to be able to reap a harvest. You know, and the, the thing about it is, we are part here of a legacy that lives on. How many of you came to Mission England in the 80s at the Villa Ground? Is anybody here from that? Look at that. Isn't that great? And uh, it was an amazing thing. And something was seeding into our, into our city at that time. And look, Look, those of you who are perhaps thinking, wow, this is new, I don't really know what's going on. Look, the fruit is still going on. Isn't that an amazing thing? Come on, let me just see your hands again. Those of you who were in Mission England in 1980, isn't that amazing that the fruit is still going on? And you know, there's been a legacy of uh, Billy Graham and the evangelism in our country. And I want you just to see some of the things. And when... In the 1950s, when the press were all against it and everything, that's not a new thing, you know, accusing the, the tour of being over-emotional, also accusing the tour of, oh, you know, they just sing just as I am to get people to the altar. Well, let's just look at, about the legacy of that, shall we? 
God laid upon Bill's heart a great burden for England. And we went for six weeks, and the Lord began to move in a marvelous way at Herringay. And we went night after night with people filling every available place. It was extended for 12 weeks. A London crusade highlight for 40,000 children. A visit from Roy Rogers, King of the Cowboys. That's how I'll good never forget Sunday. the day when they pulled up in front of the little hotel where we were staying. They opened up the door and Trigger walks into the lobby of the hotel with Roy. And they went up to the second floor and then the next picture, Trigger's head sticking out of that second floor window going, yeah! And uh, boy, the papers carried it. And that Saturday we had 40,000 young people fill that stadium. When we went back in 1966 to Earl's Court, the reporters were writing about it. Well, they were saying it was because of the emotion of just as I am, that that was what was bringing people forward. The first night he preached in Earl's Court, boy, he preached his heart out. God is speaking to you tonight. He's giving you a chance. He's giving you a moment in history to receive him. Well, he gave the invitation and he said, we're not going to have any music tonight. Come to Christ. Let him come into your heart. I'm going to ask you to do it tonight, right now. Then he stepped back. He folded his hands, his arms, and he bowed his head in prayer. Not a noise. Fifteen seconds went by. And when you're quiet and alone, that's a long time. And then all of a sudden you heard a seat squeak. One person stood, then another, then another. And night after night they came. For 30 nights we didn't have one note of Just As I Am. And those reporters, they were writing, Give us back Just As I Am. The silence is killing us. Men and women all over the world today are looking for happiness peace, security, and joy. The invitation was very much a part of Bill's passion. You have to choose. The Spirit of God has to change you. And you have to accept the challenge that Jesus issues. If you're ready to do that, you can receive him right tonight. He often said to us, well, I had a hard time. I didn't feel I had power in preaching. But when I gave the invitation, I knew by faith that God was going to honor the preaching of his precious word. That's it, quickly. Come on, all over the place. Give it, lift it your hands. Through the years, we've been to 185 countries. We've had 419 crusades. Yes, it's universal news to the poor, to the rich, to the different color skins, to the different linguistic groups. God is, Christ is, and the gospel is good news. The amazing thing is, we're reaching more people now with the message of the gospel than we ever did at the height of the Billy Graham Crusades. This is the time. Now we must be faithful 
and the work that God's given us to do. Isn't that amazing? So here's our challenge for the modern day. You could look back at that and say, oh, well, that was for then and this is now and all the rest of it. But I wonder if we could join our faith to begin to say to ourselves, can we believe again for a harvest in our city and our nation? You know, I, I almost feel like we should just have another prayer meeting, you know, and, and just keep on that. And we've started weekly prayer meetings in our church because we want to stretch our faith. We want to believe again. We want to see again. We want to see people becoming Christians. And so we want to say that the local church, the ordinary person, is the real bedrock of how to witness. And there are three important things. And what we're going to study this morning is, first of all, how to live. Your life is your witness. Don't you agree? It's our lip and our life. But the life, the lips that are not backed up with a life is, is not going to cut it in this world. And so, and the second area we're going to talk about is how to actually share, to how to live, how to share. And the third area is how to care for new Christians. These three important elements are skills we want to build. Now, for some of you, this will be a refresher. But this is what my prayer has been throughout this whole process, is there will be not just a refresher, but a provoker. A provoker to what you already perhaps know, but something that might have fallen into disuse. That you will go and say, you know what, I'm going to witness that person at the bus stop. I'm going to witness that person at work. And so let's have a look at how to be and how to live an effective Christian life. Now, many of you will know this, but let's dig deep into what, what we kind of um, know already but want to build in. The effective Christian life brings integrity. It, it brings a, a kind of sense of we are who we say we are. And so it's really important that, let's say, begin with our, our theme, theme scripture. Oh, went too, went too, went too far there. Uh, this is a theme scripture. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. If you um, have got a Bible or it, it's in your blue book anywhere, I wonder, or you could just highlight, I want you to highlight the word Lord, prepared, reason, and gentleness and respect. Lord prepared reason, gentleness, and respect. Because, uh, let's just read that. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, in all areas of our life, it's really important that we have things under the lordship of Christ. That's the bedrock, the key, that our lives are submitted to the lordship of Christ. And I'm just wondering today whether or not we could actually make this course a little devotion of I'm moving closer to Christ. I, I'm saying, Lord, whatever isn't under the, in, under the throne of God, 
is going to now be put under the throne of God. But I identified four things there. First of all, if you're going to be effective in your witness, you have to be living under the lordship of Christ, number one. Number two, to be effective, it comes through preparedness, that we are prepared to share. And that's what we're doing today, and we're investing in ourselves, and that we know the reasons why we believed. Now, they may not all be intellectual reasons. There may be some personal and emotional reasons, but we have some reason why we are Christians. And finally, that the attitude in which we do it is really important, that gentleness, that respect. We're not looking to make people something that they're not, that actually we want to kindly and personably be able to be a good witness. Now, There are things that should mark out our life as uh, witnesses. And these are four things you can see on the screen there. We have God's presence, God's spirit, God's word, and God's power. And I wonder, uh, through this whole course, we want to provoke a faith response of of how much we can begin to move on those things. Uh, Now, have a look in your blue book between uh, pages 12 and 14. You'll see this this part. Um, Our lives are to be different, that we are different. Pages 12 to 14, you'll be able to follow along uh, a little bit. Now, in the scriptures, we see that Philip, uh, the evangelist, uh, he, he was someone who was marked out by God's presence. He had character. In Acts chapter 6, he was noted as one of the people who were already serving, that he had the character to do that. But then we see that in Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit could tell him, go to that chariot. He had the God's presence and God's spirit to lead him. But when he got to the chariot, he said to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? He knew God's word. And and that combination of having God's presence and the integrity of character, that combination of being able to hear the Holy Spirit, that combination of knowing the Word of God, and then that combination of being used in God's power made him an effective, or his life, an effective witness. Let's break that down just a little bit and talk about uh, God's presence. What, What marks that out? Let me just do this the right way. First of all, in God's presence, we want to be people who live in the presence of God so that we can have a victory over those things that come against us. Galatians 5.16 says that when we live in the Spirit, we won't go go receive the desires of the flesh. And so as we dwell in God's presence, we can have uh, a prevailing and victorious lifestyle over sin. Secondly, God's presence brings us uh, power that actually when we dwell in his presence, there is uh, a power about us that is unusual. People begin to say, oh, you're different. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, uh, after you've received the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. So uh, we need to be people of God's presence. Now, some people want us to know all the answers, but it's really important that we are presence 
carriers. And so the thing that marks God's presence also, it isn't just this bombastic outward going thing, but actually that we are marked by the fruit of the Spirit, which of course the pinnacle of which is love. And so let me just um, have a look at page 16 there in your, in your book. Are you there? You're going to have to keep up with me and follow along. In fact, your book will be mainly for homework. But, you know, there are some things to just begin to reflect on there, begin to fill out. But the Bible says that we can be filled with all of God's presence. Look at that kindness, forbearance, peace, joy, love, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The second major thing that we need to live in is God's spirit that he's actually filled with God's spirit. And before we talk about how to share and everything, there should be an opportunity for us to leave space to be filled. Now, you know this, church. Many of you uh, would know this. But what you're filled with becomes really important. So if you allow your life to be filled with all sorts of agendas, all sorts of cares, all sorts of things that are not God's spirit, then how are we going to leave room to be a good witness? Have a look at page 17 in your blue book. Because um, being filled with God's spirit or having a relationship with God's spirit okay, means these things. First of all, let's be filled with the spirit. Now... Very simply, as far as coaching is concerned, being filled with the Spirit simply means I will make room for all that you are, Holy Spirit. That I'm going to put down my agendas, put down the things that I'm filled with, and be allowed to be filled with you. And simply, I want to encourage you, even this morning, to begin to ask, Lord, fill me. With your Holy Spirit. One or two of us will we'll stay around and pray with you so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second important thing, though, of being filled with God's Spirit is that we are cleansed. That we begin to say, what we carry will affect us. So it's important that we begin to say, God, can you cleanse me of that? You see, Often, living the effective Christian life is a personal thing between you and the Lord at first. Thirdly, being filled with the Spirit means that we live carefully. That we are wise in what we see, where we go, who we associate with, or what we, that we don't just live so close to the edge. I often hear about, <clears throat> there was a chauffeur who wanted to uh, become the chauffeur of a rich Lady and he and she lived at the top of a mountain and he drove, uh, you know, really fast around the mountain and he didn't get the job and and he said why I was so skillful and she said you drove too close to the edge and it and it frightened me. All I want to say to you is, some of us instead of getting close to God, think how far, how close to the edge of the world can I live without getting in trouble. That's the wrong way around. In a sense, we need to be running closer to God, don't we? Don't you agree? So living wisely, living carefully 
is how to be filled with the Spirit. And then walking in the Spirit is that everyday journey that says, God, what do you want me to do today? What is it that you're trying to say and communicate to me today? So, as well as God's presence, we want to have this relationship with the Spirit of God, whereby we are filled with him, because he is trying to make us like the Father. He's trying to shape us to be in character in life. And God's Spirit was given to us to make us to be like Jesus. Remember the disciples? It was kind of a frustrating moment that Thomas said to Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 there, and verse 7, verse 7, 8, 9. He says, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. He almost got exasperated with Jesus. And Jesus said, Thomas, if you've been with me and you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's kind of what Jesus is trying, God's Spirit's trying to do with us. He's trying to make us just like the Father. In fact, whatever shape the Father is, he's trying to make us just like him. Now, I'm not suggesting it's kind of similar to what that is, but I want to be the same character as the Father. And whatever the Father does... I want the Father to download into my life. You see, that's what the Spirit is trying to do. He's trying to say to you, hey, I've got things that I want to shape in your life. Here's a famous story about David, uh, uh, Michelangelo, who was sculpting the David sculptor, and they said to him, hey, how come, how, how can you, how could you make this, this David figure so so clear and so accurate. And, and Michelangelo just simply said, I just knocked off all the bits that weren't David until the David appeared. And I want to just say to you today that part of our effective life is, is that God is trying to work on us so that, so that he can take away the things that aren't the Father, aren't Jesus. On, so the things that perhaps are holding back our witness. So today, as well as wanting to proclaim to the world, maybe there's a walk and there's a definite journey for all of us to say, God, can I get closer to you? Is there something in my life that isn't an effective witness at all? And of course, as well as God's presence and God's spirit, we need to know God's word and God's scriptures. Our effectiveness comes through. Now, we're going to do, I don't want to use the word old-fashioned, but I am going to say we need to get back to some fundamentals that we used to do again. And one of the things we want to do is we want to get into memorization. Okay? That you actually say to the... So to yourself, I'm going to memorize some of the things uh, that are in the scripture so that I can be more effective. Now, I'm going to show you some things that we are going to memorize in the back of your book. But just to say that when you memorize the scripture, 
it will become like a guard on your mind. Not only uh, to help you to witness, but it's a guard on your mind, but it also knocks down strongholds in other people's lives. You know, sometimes by just saying what the scripture says can just disarm what people say. There's power in the word of God just for itself. It has its own authority. All scripture has been breathed from God. It carries his authority, his life, and it's profitable for rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that we can be uh, built up. But also, because it's the breath of God, it's got things, it's got the power to be able to uh, move strongholds in other people's lives. Now, turn to the very back of your blue book there. You're going to see this page. Um, I've got the, it's just at the back. It's like a stiff card. Bit right at, in fact, it's the very last page. Here are some scriptures for you to memorize over the next few months to help you with your witnessing. Now, uh, How to memorize. First of all, okay, let's do it together. You can memorize by saying, let's do, um, if you look at number five, Christ uh, Christ at the door, okay? This is how you'd memorize the scripture. You'd go, Christ at the door, so you'd say the title, and then say the reference, Revelation 3 verse 20. And then you say, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And then say the reference again, Revelation 3.20. And then what you do is repeat. So, everybody, number five, we're going to memorize a scripture right now. So pick a partner, who you're sitting next to. Okay, first one, just say it. And then the second one, say it. And then we're going to close our eyes and see if we've done it. Okay, so right. So in this instance, Leon, you say it to Kathy. Then Kathy, you say it back to Leon. Then you both close your eyes and see if you've memorized it. One, two, three, go. Okay, So you say the title, the reference, then the scripture. Now, do you remember those old Sunday school classes? Anybody who grew up in church? I didn't grow up in church. So, you know, when I say, when I say, do you remember those old Sunday school classes? I never went to Sunday school. Have you done it? Okay, everybody, just come back together just for a minute. So, I never went to Sunday school. In fact, did you know I got thrown out of Sunday school? Isn't that just a, isn't that just a thing? But I remember that in Sunday school class, somebody had to stand up and they could do it. Anybody who's brave wants to say, okay, I can do this by memory. Anybody at all? Anybody brave? Okay, going once, going twice. Going, shall we pick a minister? <laughs> okay, Devington, Pastor Devington, do you know that scripture off by heart? Have a go, tell everybody, just, just, just stand up and say that scripture off by heart. Come on, Revelation 3.20.
Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in and eat with him and be with me. Revelation 3.20 Come on, that's alright. Yeah. Now it might not be in the version in the book, you know, but that's in him. Do you see that? Now, I haven't got my ninja stick with me today. I wanted my ninja stick. I forgot to get them. But, you know, we've done this illustration in our church. You, you need to have a grip on the Word of God. And if you've only got one way of, like, you just read the Word of God, that's 10%. You'll, you'll, you'll know it, 10%. If you, if you uh, study it, uh, or, or if you just... Uh, if you only read it and then just hear it in a sermon, you know, that's just 20, 25% of, of grip on the Word of God. If you study it, then that will give you about 50% retention time. But if you memorize it, guess how many percentage it goes up to? 100% that you'll have a grip on the Word of God. So, and then if you, if you meditate on it as Joshua was told, like chew the cud over it, then it will become a part of you. In fact, it's really, really important to be an effective witness. We need to expect to have a hold on the word of God. And uh, lastly, um, God's word, uh, as we hear it, we read it, we study it, we memorize it, we meditate on it. And that's, that's how you get a grip on the Word of God. Don't just be a person who comes and hears, hears it on a Sunday. Get it as a part of you. And I'm sure that you know that. Fourthly, God's power. So do not fear. I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help in you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. To be effective, we need to be used in God's power because God wants to use us in all dimensions of our lives. Now, the, one of the things that they say about Christianity is it's boring. We're just, you know, we're, we're only kind of people who, um, you know, just kind of uh, go to church. We play goody two-shoes all the time. But actually... We are people, he's on pages 21, who uh, have a sense that God can use us when we're speaking, that he can fill our speech through his power. God can use us by the way that we act and that people mark us out. Um, In fact, Philippians 2 verse 13 says that we are to will and to do God's, God's good pleasure that actually God's power wants to be filling all of our lives. God's power wants to be uh, the sort of thing where we are conquering and not just, uh, you know, just going through the motions and surviving, and that God's power makes us pleasing to the Lord. But one of the things I want to say to you is this. We can learn to be an effective witness and learn techniques But we've got to begin to say, Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, use me. In all dimensions of our life. We're doing a prayer series in our church. I'm going to preach tomorrow about praying in different dimensions. And I'm not advertising that for other people or the churches to come. What I'm saying is that God wants to use us 
in lots of different ways. Let me tell you a little story about me. And this is a kind of weird story. But, it, but this is what happened. I was walking down the street one day. And uh, there was an old lady walking towards me. Now, I, I say the fact that she was an old lady, so you don't think I was just attracted to this lady. If it had been a model, you might have thought, oh, something else is going on. Okay. And, and the lady was nice looking at her. She's just an older lady. She's just a nice, ordinary old lady. Can I just put that out there? You know. And so she was walking to me. And then a strange thing happened. I don't know whether I've ever told BCC this before. This really strange thing happened to me. She's walking along, and as we passed, it was like I became, all I can say is joined at the hip to her, like, like I had a rubber band around my waist, and then a rubber band went around her waist. And as I passed, I went, Tick. and then as I was walking away, it was like there was a tension, like I suddenly couldn't walk, and I mean, she was oblivious of all this, and, and it began to get stretcher and stretcher and stretcher. I know this is a weird story, but this is what happened. It was kind of in the spirit. And I, and I was walking, and I began to cry. And then the elastic band snapped. And the Lord said to me, is that it then, Mark? Is she gone now? Is that the end? Is that it? Is she just walking away into eternity? And from that moment, I just want you to know that I just vowed from that day, say, God, I will always try and walk in your spirit to what opportunities open to me, to what, to what thing I could say, to what prayer I could pray. You know, I, I believe that sometimes we can get a little bit weird uh, and some of it's good, some of it, you've got to walk wisely. But I've prayed for people at a bus stop before, uh, led of the Spirit. You can pray for people at work. You see, because all of the things that we have to do, we have to bring our faith to bear. Say, so God, what are you doing? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I want you to just do something with me. When we say, what is faith? And it's basically that we rest on God, we trust God, and we, you know, if God doesn't tell you to speak to somebody, don't speak to them, just live your life well in front of them. But faith, it's what you place your faith in that's the important thing. Do something with me. You're all sitting on a chair, just bring your feet up off the floor. For those of you who can, I know that'll be difficult for one or two. Just bring your feet up off the floor. Now, for those of you who really want to push this illustration, put your book down and, and just push yourself up off the, off, the, off the chair, for those of you who can. Some of you won't be able to do that. But, you know, just push yourself up off the chair so that you're actually holding your weight by your hands. Can you do that? Can you do that? For some of you who can't do it, that's okay. Okay. Now, just go back and just sit with your feet up off the floor just for a moment. Uh, this is not a gym class. You see, what you've just done, what I've just proved to you is that your whole weight is resting on that chair. You have faith that that chair can hold you up. And the reason I asked you to push your hands down so that you would feel the weight of what the chair is taking. And some of you are going, ooh, 
Good chat. But it's really important that you put your faith in action and work. Now, whatever difficulties you're going through, you know, Muhammad Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali was on a plane and he said to an old lady, you know, I, I'm, I'm like Superman. He says, I don't believe it. He said, I am. I'm like Superman. I fly like a butterfly, float like a bee. And she just turned to me and said, Superman doesn't need no plane if he wants to fly. <laughs> you know, you can put your faith in wrong things or you can put your faith in the right thing. Your faith placed in Jesus, will make your life different. These are the things that should mark out your life. God's presence, God's spirit, God's word, and God's power and your exercise of faith in that. And you're going to go through some difficulties. You are going to go through some trials. That some Christians feel that, that whenever we... We're never supposed to have any trials and everything's supposed to be good. We, we sing an old hymn, I'm living on the mountain, where, you know, things will never run dry and all the rest of it. And it's a misunderstanding of adversity. God is building up our character through adversity. The other thing that stops us living is, is our own desires. And we've got to put them on the Lordship of Christ. So our adversities can either propel us forward or push us back. And you know this. We've been teaching about this. Our adversities build our real character. Now, if you're going through something at the moment, then what we want to just say to you is, look, God's training you. There's there's something for you in that. There's something that God is going to bring out within that adversity. And it's our selfish desires. Now, that also... Stop us living an effective life. Now, when, when, we, when we're taken to, on a journey, often we say to ourselves, when, when we're faced with a choice, we say, where is it taking me? But actually, we should be asking, what is it making me into? Not just where it's taking me, but where, what is it making me? Or... Who will it break or what will it break in me? Not just where is it taking me, but what is it breaking in me? Or what would our destiny be? Hey, listen, just stand with me, just if you will. Because we're just going to wrap up with these last, this last slide. You know this. This is, this is kind of teaching that you've had many, many years. And if you're a, uh, perhaps a new Christian, then this is foundational gold. With all your desires, first and foremost, you need to take them to the Lord in prayer. The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. That you need to understand that the fellowship of the believers is so vital. You see, when pastors say, come to church, you often subliminally think they're being self-serving. But actually, scripturally, fellowship is an encounter and it's a changing element in your life. And Hebrews tells us, don't let's forsake the meeting together. If you've stopped witnessing, you've started 
to fossilize. Just turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a fossil. Jesus said to Peter, very first thing he said to Peter, he didn't say, I'm going to make you a Bible scholar. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a churchgoer. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. If you've stopped witnessing, you've begun to fossilize. See, many pastors fall into this thing. We, we're so used to talking to the sheep, we never talk to the sheep that are not yet in the fold. I, I've made a new commitment to witnessing in my life. So, so prayer, fellowship, and witness, and you've got to stay in that word. That's, you've got to. I am 61 in a couple of weeks. Can you believe that? I mean, I mean you're, you're just gassed, aren't you? You're thinking, he must be at least 40. No, 40, you know. Just can't. I've, been, I've been a Christian 40 years. I need the Bible. I've read it in Greek. I've read it forwards and backwards. I know it. But there were, I was read something the other day. I said, I don't think I've read this before. Isn't that bizarre? You know, I've read it for 40 years. It's still my teacher. You have to keep in the word. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. So, in your blue book, you, you can review and have some reflection time between pages 27 and 37. And we're going to take a little bit of a break right now. But just before we do... Would you just join hands with two or three people around you? And we just want to commit this session to the Lord in prayer. You all good? You enjoy that? Okay. Just simply pray. Lord, make me an effective witness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to witness for you. Thank you, Father. Fill me, Lord. Let me be a witness for you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just pray if there's anything in our lives where we're misunderstanding any hard adversity that we're going through, would you, would you just touch us so that we know that you're training us through it? And Lord, that may be a hard word for somebody, and we really care about some difficult situations people are going through, but God, would you minister deeply into, unto us? Would we find you as Christ in those situations? And Lord, if there are some choices that we're making that are not wise, we just give them to you now. And we put everything under your lordship so that we can be an effective witness for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.